One of the best pieces of business advice I ever received was in grad school. And the professor said, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. If you are slightly unclear on any of those three, the people that you're actually targeting, the actual problem they have, and the process that you are going to use to solve that problem. How in the world is your target audience supposed to be clear? This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Have you ever wondered why some people are more influential than others and seemingly have all their stuff together, even though they have the same technical skills than you? So in this episode, very exciting, we're going to talk about five things you need to have in place to move your personal brand from backstage to center stage. Today's guest is Robbie Fowler, a branding and marketing strategist who helps high integrity consultants, coaches and trainers build brand and market personal brands that make more than just money. And even though you may think of Robbie as a branding strategist, he's actually a business strategist that helps businesses both in the medical as well as other arenas figure out how do you have to tee up your company the foundational elements so that the marketplace says yes to what you have to offer and Robbie believes too many personal brand businesses are trapped on a treadmill of activity because they're not crystal clear on what specific business they want to build so Robbie welcome to the show thank you I'm excited to be here with you really I really appreciate getting to know you over the last year as part of a mastermind that we're both part of. And I've witnessed firsthand how you think, how you articulate things, how you guide folks on strategies. So very impressive. And one of the things that came up is really about positioning and how can people better connect with their audience in a way that more of the audience says yes. And so the question I have really is, how can personal brands find and track more of their ideal customers? Because that seems to be the first step, right? Yes. And this is an extremely common problem, not just for new personal brands or businesses, but it will likely come up anytime you want to either go after a new target audience or maybe you have a new offer or service that you're going to add, you're going to run into the same problem. You can typically feel that internally when there's just a little bit of fuzziness on exactly who am I trying to reach. And even on many of the mastermind calls that you just mentioned, from seasoned folks that are in our masterminds, and I will usually put it this way, like a foundational level, you need to know the people you serve, the problem you solve and the process that you're going to use to solve that problem. I just call that the three P's of positioning. It sounds really basic. <laughs> People you serve, the problem you solve, and the process that you use to do that. But most of us, when we're getting started, we have an inclination towards one of those. Like, I know exactly the process I want to use because I just got certified in XYZ, right? So that question is answered for me. I paid a lot of money. I got certified in blah, blah, blah. So that's what I'm going to do to go, who are you going to do that for? I could do it for teachers and firefighters and political figures. Okay, we need to figure out which one of those you want to do it for. 
And once you figure that audience out, okay, what particular problem do they have that you're going to now apply that certification that you got? So typically, most of us have an idea. Another example would be, I've always been a realtor. I want to help other realtors. Or I've always been interested in the sciences and medicine, so I want to help. And I've got four kids. I'm always around moms. I want to help new moms or whatever. I know that for sure. Okay. What problem do you want to help new moms solve? Or what problems do you want to help people that are experiencing fatigue and anxiety solve? So I'll often find you've got to have super clear clarity on one of those, uh, on all three of those, or you're going to struggle to connect with the audience because they're, they're going to sense your confusion. One of the best pieces of business advice I ever received did not come from the business world. <laughs> it was actually... I was in grad school getting trained in ministry and the professor said, I'll never forget the quote, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew. And his point being that if you are slightly unclear on any of those three, the people that you're actually targeting, the actual problem they have that you are in business to solve and the process that you in particular are going to use to solve that problem. If there's any, just a little bit of fog in your brain, this is your business, and you're not quite clear how in the world is your target audience supposed to be clear because they don't even know that they're the target. They don't know that you're solving their problem, and they're not sure how you're solving it different from 10 other people that are also out there trying to solve the same problem. You really speak to my heart as a strategist that... This sounds so freaking simplistic, yes. and yet there is so much power behind it. And time and again, I see it that the unclarity about those three Ps, and part of this is obviously the offer. What's the offer that we make to people as a result of being clear on those three Ps that make or break a business? And yeah. a lot of us with this, we sort of condone this level of fuzziness and thinking good enough and we're moving forward. And if you really hone in on this and go super crystal clear, any hour that you invest in getting more clarity and from that building clearer language, it will be benefiting your business because suddenly your audience has an easy un way to understand it. I love the quote about any miss on the pulpit uh, will lead to a, a fog of... In, in the pews. Yeah. It's so true, especially in healthcare. And especially when we're talking about, let's say, the clients I work with, integrative and functional medicine docs, the lay audience has no idea what these doctors are actually talking or what this is about. So if you are not clear, they're for sure not clear either. And then obviously nothing can happen from there. Yeah. That reminds me of a related example. So I have a client that is a fellowship trained cosmetic dermatologist and fellowship trained in laser. That's what this client did the fellowship training in. The audience for her practice does not get and understand the process that she uses to solve skincare and aging challenges that her audience is going to have because they don't know what a fellowship trained because she's one of maybe 30 in the country that has the training and experience she has. Because that's not clear in the positioning of her practice, it's clear who she's solving, right? It's going to be typically in her context, going to be females that are experiencing skin and facial aging problems that are now becoming concerned. It's clear of the problem that she solves, 
for those people that process these. It's not clear to them. It's clear to her how she does, but she hasn't positioned that in a way that the audience goes, oh, that's how you solve it, because that is very different than the med spa down the street. <laughs> so we see it just again, and you're right. What I have found, the other trick to let folks listening go, oh, that might be me. It's all of us, first of all, all of us struggle with these fundamental, foundational, it sounds so obvious. But what I have found, here's a trick to let everybody off the hook. It almost always requires the help of some sort of outside objective person to help you clarify that. We're just too close to it to really be able to. So if that's you, if you're like, I'm not sure, I'm crystal clear on the people I serve, the problem I solve, and the process I use. Call Uli. <laughs> Get help. Get an outside perspective. It usually makes all the difference in the world because we're just too in the weed. We're too close to it. Thank you for sharing that because that is so true for myself. Even though I run a marketing agency and I live and breathe this part of the process, when you do your own thing, sometimes yes. you don't know exactly what makes that one degree of separation. So one of my mentors, Dr. Lara Selya, She provided feedback on my tagline. It's, oh, Uli, you missed the boat here. You should say this. And then yeah. this was like months after I've finished the exercise. I thought, oh my God, this is so on yeah. point. So she provided the needed clarity that I couldn't see. And ever after, it felt perfectly congruent with it. But other people have a much easier time seeing what you can't see yes. because of the forest for the trees. Yeah, yeah. And I will say this quote that goes along with that. Fog slows down even the fastest Ferrari. So if, again, if you're a little bit fuzzy on that, and all of us are, Uli and I are exactly the same, right? We can do this for clients all day long, right? And then we comes to our own business and we struggle with the very same things that everybody hires us for to solve because it's our own business. So we need an outside objective perspective. There's a little bit of fog. So even if you're superpower, you're the greatest healthcare provided there can be in your space. If there's a little bit of fog, it doesn't matter how fast the Ferrari is. Right? Uh, I love that down. analogy. That's, I've never heard this one, but it is so true. My next question is really, what should personal brands or individuals, entrepreneurs have in place to not blow a big center stage opportunity coming up? So I mentioned in the intro, how do you go from backstage to center stage and Especially what my sense is that when I talk to health practitioners, there's the medical board, they don't say the wrong thing. And so then out of the fear of saying the wrong thing, they don't say anything. And then all their training can't really benefit them because nobody knows what they're talking about. So what are your suggestions of what are some of these five or so critical pieces that you have to have in place? Yeah. So when it comes to, if you're in the entrepreneurial space, you're in a space where you are a personal brand, even if you are in a health or medical field, think about it. If your faith and name is on the door attached to the business. So even if you may not consider yourself a personal brand, if your face and name are on the door or the sign, then you're a candidate If you're an entrepreneur, you're certainly a candidate. And part of the challenge that goes back to what we just talked about is it's very unlikely that whatever problem you are trying to solve, you're the only one on the planet trying to solve it. That's extremely rare. It can happen in any case, but for most of us, we have competitors, right? We have competitors. So if you're thinking, how do I begin to take 
steps come from being off the side of the stage and moving on onto the stage. One thing you need to remember is as a personal brand or an entrepreneur or any sort of business for that matter, when it comes to that problem and how you solve it, that's where you have to inject your take, your particular take on it, right? So that it's loud and clear because we might line up 10 marketers that can help a brick and mortar athletic store. Like either here's 10 marketers. They all work with brick and mortar stores. They all have experience in the athletic store space or whatever. So how are you going to pick one from the other? Because they all claim to be marketing experts. They're all trying to solve the same problem. Let's say they all do it the same way. They all offer one-on-one consulting packages. Okay. So how do I pick? I need to know this is Uli's take, right? This is his hot sports opinion. And this is where you've got to draw a line in the sand that says, this is my particular angle, and that's typically going to be – that's going to come from four areas. Your reputation – I use the little acronym word the rise. Your reputation, right, because nobody else has that. <laughs> your particular set of ideas, your set of skills, because you've got skills that others perhaps may not have, particularly if they're coming from another – industry. It's not uncommon to shift industries or to shift jobs or career pivot or whatever, but you bring a set of skills from that other career. And then the last piece is experiences, right? So your reputation, your ideas, your skills, your experiences, nobody else can duplicate that. Those need to come into play so that when you issue a social media post, when you write a blog post, when you're on a podcast episode, when you're doing any sort of marketing where the role is to make more people aware of your business, you're injecting that with your reputation, your set of ideas, your skills, and your experiences. So that's part of what that looks like. Those things need to be in place. You have to have your take on something. Otherwise, you sound vanilla and generic, and there's no reason to bring you to center stage because we already all know that. Yeah, We already all understand that you're just regurgitating the, the same solutions. I need to know why you think this solution is important. I need to know your particular approach. I need to know maybe your pushback on the assumptions in the marketplace and why you go, that's a, I think that's a faulty assumption. Here's why. And that now carves out a lane. And now what we're talking about to some degree is branding. And I find it, maybe you too, there is massive confusion on what the difference in the role of marketing is versus branding. And they usually get lumped together. Marketing usually wins. So I'm for the underdog, which is for branding. I get marketing that I can go spend money on paid ads and boom, get traffic. I understand that. And therefore, for most business owners, that gets attractive. Yeah, help me get more leads. Okay. Can branding do that? They think no. Branding doesn't have anything to do with getting me leads. So I'll deal with that later. <laughs> And the reality is the purpose of marketing is a fancy word for just making more people aware of the business. That's what marketing is supposed to be doing for you. What branding is supposed to be doing for you is to carve out your own lane. where You are the only one. Okay. So that's what we're talking about here. If you want to begin to move from backstage to center stage, it's again, unlikely you're going to be serving a group of people. Nobody else is serving. That can't happen. Solving a problem that nobody else is solving, that's rare. 
or using a process that absolutely nobody else is using. That can you got a little more shot at that if you're an entrepreneur or personal brand. But the branding piece is where you say, because of my reputation, my ideas, my skills, my experiences, I am in a, I help my clients say, you want to create an HOV lane. We're the only car that gets to use that lane. And now you are in a category of one. So I need to bring you to center stage because you're the only one that does this. An easy example that most of us would understand is consider car manufacturers. There are countless car manufacturers. We can spend the rest of the podcast naming them all. Okay, many years ago, there was one car manufacturer named Volvo that said, we are going to be the only safe car. And they just put a flag in the ground that we're going to build our brand on. We are the safe car manufacturer. And by and large, they have dominated a market where there's tons of competitors but they position themselves, we are the only safe car. So that's what we need to do if we're going to begin to move from backstage to center stage is we need to have an angle or a take on this that is part of our brand that says this is different than the others. And that, that helps make you attractive where somebody wants your particular take on it. And that helps your ideal audience find you faster, right? Because they go, ooh, that's what I resonate with. Like Absolutely. Exactly. And we picked the one, the marketer that speaks functional medicine fluently. And this is very meaningful to our audience because they understand, wow, he's been there. He knows the lingo. He knows mm -hmm. the tech. He knows the mindset of our patients and why our patients are different than a regular conventional doctor's patients. And again, they probably have way too many negative experiences with marketers saying, I can do this and do functional medicine yep. marketing. And I always say, okay, show me. And it's usually yeah. a train wreck. And then people finally come to us saying, okay, uh, I'm ready to get this right this time. And I always say mm -hmm. as a German, I like to be effective. Anything worth doing is worth doing right the first time because you only make yes. impressions first time around. And the way yeah. you play your cards it is really critical, important. And again, I want to go back for our listeners. This concept that Robbie is talking about, defining the brand, reputation, ideas, skills, and experience, this may seem so mundane. And so I get to it when I get to it. But it is the supercharging, this is the booster that makes your marketing dollars go so further. So if you have a dialed-in brand, with the right values and knowing what you should be talking about, have stories that exemplify this. All the marketing dollars, all the social media posts, all the other effort that comes thereafter will be so much more powerful. And it's a pet peeve of mine when I see functional medicine doctors, integrative doctors, they all post generic, bland, vanilla social media posts. Drink more smoothies, eat more kale, doing this so out of place does nothing that builds a brand, does nothing to really explain how they're different. And yet, functional medicine, integrative medicine is the most freaking most powerful operating system to be healthy. And you have something that is so unique, what's stopping you from actually verbalizing this and making this your plant a flag in the ground? And again, my sense is again, from working with integrative and functional medicine docs, that they're too, conscious of this is not really unique. A lot of doctors use functional medicine, etc. But as Robbie said, there's tons of marketers out there. So what are you the specialist in there? You don't have to just niche down on 
any one condition. It could be any number of features. We're the safest car. We're the most luxurious electric car maker, whatever it is. Uh -huh. You pick what makes sense to you. And I just recorded another podcast with Tom Blue the other week where we talked about if you start a new practice, what would you focus on? What would you niche on? And how can your story support that niche selection that your audience mm -hmm. says, wow, this is the only doctor with proven results around long COVID. Super powerful. Yeah, here's one other tip to go along with it that I found. I'd be curious. That you'll have to chew on this and see if you find it true as well. When you're trying to get your hands around, what is that? How do I encapsulate that reputation, my particular reputation, ideals, skills, and experiences, how to synthesize that so that I can begin to take that brand message and apply it everywhere. What I have found, one of the secret tips for most of us, it's tough work, this is tough work, <laughs> but it's most often connected to some sort of personal pain that we've had to walk through in the past. Now, that's not fun because I said pain. It was painful. But if you think back to the mastermind meetup that you and I got to participate in and everyone that spoke, every single person, you could go back and say, this person is in the business of referrals because they had to close their business down and walk through a very painful season because they didn't have any referrals. This person is speaking on an entire coaching framework that they came up with because they spent way too much time at work. They were workaholic, burnt out, and lost their son to drug abuse. And now look at this person's business. It's built coming out of that pain to say, that is one of the most powerful things you can uncover and then use to say, how do I share? Because there's plenty of other functional medicine doctors that attack gut health. Yeah, but... You're passionate about this because you've walked through the struggle. A loved one has walked through the struggle. You lost a friend to this, or you've seen someone stuck in front. Like I used to play tennis with this person, and we don't get to play anymore because this has just gone downhill, and I'm not going to lose my friends to this anymore. So that's a top secret. Like You want to really get to the heart of it. What pain have you had to walk through that's shaping why you're doing what you're doing? No, I like how you are essentially verbalize this in your brand manifesto that the right. greatest strengths you possess as a personal brand are often your greatest weaknesses. And it takes mm -hmm. real courage to be vulnerable, say, hey, I struggled with this. I struggled with this for way too long. I figured out a way to do this through trial and error. And I don't want anybody else to spend six years figuring it out. And I think if you listen to this, There's got to be a story in your past that you're on this path to be in a certain industry that you are, especially as an entrepreneur, especially as a healer. Most of the healers that I know, they had to go, they went to medical school and then they had a life-changing chronic illness and it was integrative and functional medicine that got them to reboot their entire training, put a totally different lens or glasses mm -hmm. on and see the world now totally differently. And that can be your battle cry that you're saying, hey, this is what I'm on a mission to help more people around. And that personal story is super powerful, but it requires that you show people you're vulnerable. And again, that's ultimately the hero's journey that Joseph Campbell yeah. talks about, that unless you go through some pains, you, you experience obstacles, 
this this is not going to really shape your life and your mission and it doesn't inform it and so i would encourage everyone listening to really tap into this and as robbie said this is not easy work even for myself years into it you could always do better you could always tell better stories you could always find a better analogy to explain this and you need to come clear on what's the ill that you're trying to wrong in the world and i think that can change over time can we talk about this yes. how brands yeah. can evolve that they may stand for something at one point and then through life through experiences they change who they are and how to yeah, manifest think, this in their public persona yeah i think for many of us we probably have experienced that nowadays it's rare to be doing the same thing for 45 50 years My grandparents, he worked at one factory his whole life. And that's rare for many of us. And if you think that if you've had some sort of transition, career transition or maybe you were you went to medical school and like you just described, you went through some sort of life experience with yourself, with family and with a friend that made you rethink, put a new set of lenses on that you come out the other side of that and you have a whole new perspective on functional medicine and now you want to actually start a functional medicine practice, right? That's a pretty big transition. Particularly if we push the example further and say you had a general practice before, come through this experience and now you reboot and you're a functional mm -hmm. a functional medical medical practice. And so let's push you in the same building, right? in the same physical location as you were 12 years ago, close the business down, had to take a three year sabbatical to deal with this and now you come out the other side and you're opening a completely different practice. What I have found through painful circumstances, Julie, and that I have had the misfortune of being laid off three times in my career when I was working in, in the public sector doing work, mostly startup companies, which happens. But And you would think I would learn after the first or the second one <laughs> and how to deal <laughs> right? But same kind of same panic sets in, oh, no, what am I going to do? That would set in. But the last one, which was the most painful, I'd been at the, this particular organization in a leadership position for over a decade. And there were some really rough things said on the way out to me and about me. And what that particular one left me with, the example we're talking about, is I was stripped bare of a particular title that I had carried for years. I didn't have that title anymore. A particular role and responsibility that came along with that title that was no longer associated with me. And in those kind of dark moments when I'm not those things anymore, right? I had to ask myself, should this happen again? Because it's happened three times. What are some non-negotiables for me that I don't care? I don't care if I'm delivering pizzas. I don't care if I'm on a podcast with Uli. I don't care if I'm working in corporate. I don't care if I have my own. Regardless of where you stick me, I'm going to be about, I'm going to give my life to this. The circumstances don't really matter. Delivering pizzas, but I'm going to give myself to this. If you can do that tough work and get to the bottom of that, A, I think it's free because it is really painful when you lose some of those things that your identity is wrapped up in and they get yanked from your hand. Like the example, will you, Weren't you a general surgeon in a little hospital? And now you're, right? That title goes away. Um, for me, that's what's been helpful to say, right now, I have a personal business that I run. 
But if some sort of pandemic unforeseen hits that affects my particular bit, and I got to shut down and go get a job at a grocery store or whatever, I think I've finally gotten clarity. It took a long time to say, regardless of what job or role or title you put me in, even if that's my own business, an entrepreneur, because entrepreneurs have to shut their businesses down. It happens sometimes. Um, what is the non-negotiable for me that I'm giving my life to this thing? Right? People will, the right people, that, that does such a great job. We talk about marketing world of identifying an ideal client or an ideal customer, want a high quality lead. I'm getting a lot of leads, but they're low quality. This will do that for you as powerful as anything else. And people get that from you, like yeah. whatever that is. I can see it playing out for a lot of practitioners that have to choose whether or not to retake the boards and stay licensed. Mm -hmm. And yeah. they invested so much into the mm -hmm. MD degree or the DO degree or the DC degree. And deep down, they know this is not really serving me. It's actually curtailing my ability to heal because I have to prescribe things that are endorsed by the board. I have to play by the rules. I can't say yes. certain things on my website. A great example are naturopathic doctors in Ontario, where the licensing mm -hmm. board is so strict with anything that you can say, what you, the language that a lot of doctors say, I can't really do the marketing that I need to do because yeah. I can't say what I should be saying to really make my case. And so they have to come to this difficult decision. I forego that degree, I retire, and I am a healer. But that takes courage, that takes a lot of Ooh, yeah. experience, and saying I'm good enough even without the accolades of the title. There's other accolades that you have, and if you're really good, people don't care whether you're an MD, DO, no. DC, what the title or the credentials are after your name, they connect to you as a person, as an expert, as a sage, somebody with true wisdom that can collapse time. And so I think that's ultimately part of the branding, part of the marketing to ensure people see that side of you, that you can live beyond your credentials and be seen for who you are, be authentic and be able to speak your mind in a way that you feel you need to speak. Yeah, I think in this particular case, when you talk about that example of someone that is, that's moving into functional medicine out of traditional medicine or medical care, what you're likely, you've confronted it personally, but now what you're trying to do with your business is really confront a paradigm or worldview, right? So I left one worldview and paradigm, and now I have personally come through the other side, and now I have a different worldview or paradigm. We all know it's very difficult to push up against someone else's worldview. It's hard enough with family and friends, let alone a stranger, just to pop in and go, hey, by the way, everything you assume about medicine, much of that is is really harming you and it's bad. And that doesn't go over very well. Yep. What helps is a really simple, short story, right? Because stories can push up against a worldview but they do it in a non-threatening way because it's indirect. It's not direct. So that is a way to begin to do that. Not only sh obviously sharing your own story and your own journey, but when you share the story of a friend, family member, or patient that comes and says, Susie Q came and saw me. <laughs> This is what she was struggling with. This, she, these are the 15 things she had tried. And when I asked this one question, she broke down in tears. Boom. You just confronted my worldview. 
but you didn't say, hey, you believe in traditional medicine, that makes you a fool. Here's five reasons why that doesn't go over yeah. very well. Yeah, so this is a nice tie-in of an episode we had recently with Kyle Gray, where he talks about the power of storytelling to get more yes. And it's exactly what you're saying, that stories have this magic ability to fly under the radar and delivering a moral of the story that make oftentimes more sense than you telling them outright what they're doing wrong. And I think it's probably easier to convince stranger of anything than your own family members when it comes yes. to health. Uh, Robbie, this has been a really enlightening conversation. I'm glad you shared your take on branding, on the strategic elements that practitioners and entrepreneurs have to have in place. Where can people find more of your amazing stuff? We'll put this obviously in the show notes as well. Yeah, so you can find me at RobbieF.com. That's R-O-B-Y. F as in Fowler or Frank or Fool. <laughs> RobbieF.com. I've got everything you could. There's blog posts. There's podcast resources, free resources. And that that's a great place to get a start. Lots of people go check out the brand manifesto. I would encourage you to go do that because that does give a quick take. And that's like we've been talking about. That's something that transcends this particular business. If I wind up somewhere else, that's coming with me. That's how I'm going to operate in the world. And one thing just to mention with that, Uli, that we didn't get a chance to talk about and thinking about the difference between marketing and branding. When you build that strong brand and you turn the marketing spigot off, because marketing is transactional in the sense that I'm asking for something. So if I say, come to my website and download my lead magnet, that's a transaction. I'm saying, give me your email. I'll give you lead magnet. If it's a social media post and it's in the marketing bucket, I'm saying, I'm putting on a social media post. I would like some sort of engagement or interaction with it. What you do? So I picture like a handshake. So Julie and I meet, I extend my hand. That's transactional. It's friendly. I'm not asking him for money, but he's got to decide, oh, do I touch this guy's hand or not? Mm -hmm. Do I shake myself? And the, at some point, you turn that off. That's what we call them marketing campaigns, right? It has a beginning, middle, and end. Branding just keeps trucking. When you, the stronger your brand is, when you dial down or for a time turn off the marketing campaign, like we stopped running Facebook ads for a month or whatever, the stronger the brand is, the less you have to spend over there. Because Uli and I are both on Apple products right now. I'm on a laptop that I never saw a marketing commercial for. I've got an iPad right here that I paid a lot of money for, never watched an ad, never got marketed to. Why do I have the iPad? Apple has tons of my money based on the strength of their brand, not the dollars they spend on their marketing. Uh, That's why I think do both. Do both. Because it will transform your business and revenue. Both impact your revenue. Well, do both, but do branding first. So yes. that you can really build on that. And again, this is what I like about you, that you bring this very powerful perspective to to the masses. So Thank you again for an amazing yeah. session. And as always, we let our guests have the final word. What is the one takeaway that you want people to remember from our episode here? Yeah, one takeaway I think I would say is what I encourage every one of my clients to do is when it comes to all of this, at the end of the day, what I would leave you with is have radical empathy for the people that you're trying to serve. 
radical empathy for them. Um, if you're in functional medicine, you have radical empathy for the person that doesn't know what you know and maybe still stuck in traditional medicine. You don't get mad at them. You don't get frustrated that they don't get it. You have radical empathy where you can start where they start. And I often say it this way. Radical empathy is the difference between your work for your client, your customer, your patient, and your heart for your client, your customer, patient. And radical empathy is the difference between your work that you do for them and the heart that you have for them. Thanks. Thanks for leaving us with this powerful thought. And for everyone else listening, we'll see you next week. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes and if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iselo. See you next week.